It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for being with us tonight. Tonight, my guest, Susan Crane Bekos and is a woman who is well known within the field of sexuality, many, many times published author, and has been like one of those people that many people, she became their role model for how she looks at the, the techniques, the information, and the delivery of information in the area of sexuality. And Susan, I am assuming that you are on with me right now. I am. Thank you, Lou. I know, and I'm not sure where this is. talking over the music. We can pretend we're out in a bar. Exactly. We're just going, you know, a little banjo. (laughs) (laughs) So we we will have fun. You know, maybe we'll just pour a glass of wine and away we go. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. What I wanted, um, and I put all of the information up on my, um, on the front page for you on, you know, who is Susan Crane Bacos. Yes, thank you. And, one of the things that Susan and I are going to talk about this evening is we know that there are many different areas where people can go to get information relative to sexuality, whether it's techniques or attitude or, you know, telling you about your body. But what we also know, even though that search engine may give you a gazillion different pieces of information, then you have to sift through and find out whether or not the search engine gave you bona fide information. So when when Susan and I were talking earlier this week on she has a current online workshop which is entitled The Orgasm Loop. The Orgasm, yeah, The Orgasm Loop, correct? Right. Mm -hmm. And what what it is is a combination of three different areas of study that I mean, Susan, you have written in this field now for, you know, 15 years, 20 years? Oh, 25 and count. 25 and over, I think. <laughs> okay. And I'm preparing for my final role as the grand dame of sex. Oh, are you? Okay. Okay. But now please tell the listeners, and if anyone, you know, this is, you know, the, the TogiNet is a, you can call in and ask any question you want, and after Susan answers, what are the combination of the three things that you put together that had you look at, as you described to me earlier this week, 
what were the pieces that had you look, given that you and I both know one of the number one asked questions, and we both talked about this, Kate White with Cosmo told me the same thing. The number one asked question is, how can I have an orgasm during intercourse? Yes, that is the number one question that people ask. And they were asking that 25 years ago when I was writing for Cosmo for Helen Gurley Brown. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It never goes away. I was asked that question so often that I find, and I would tell women, well, it's really simple. You touch yourself. You give yourself additional clitoral stimulation, and then you can come during intercourse, right? Mm-hmm. How easy is that? But <laughs> a lot of women don't want that answer. They don't no. want, they're uncomfortable with touching themselves. Some women have difficulty masturbating and much less touching themselves during intercourse. So I finally said to myself some years ago, I got to remove my own judgment here. My judgment is they should be able to do that. But if they can't, and their question is, how, how can I come where I want to come? Then I have to find the answer for them because that is the only right thing for a sex researcher to do is to help Correct. these people answer their question, not just say, oh, you know, get over it and touch yourself. So I started looking. And the first thing I did was Annie Sprinkle's workshop, fire breathing orgasm workshop. And we all got down on the floor and we did the fire breathing, which is breathe the imaginary circle of fire in through your nose and out through your genitals and keep making this circle. And uh-huh. it works because it oxygenates the blood. It increases your arousal. Right. I think she was also flexing her strong PC muscle, though she never mentioned it, but I think that she was. I think it just was something she didn't think to mention. Mm-hmm. But even flexing the muscle and doing the breathing, it would get me very aroused. I mean, I got really hot on the floor, but I did not come. And I come real easy, so I thought, okay, if it's that, it's a start, but it's not it. So I read about Dr. Eileen Pallas' research on cognitive loop feedback down at Tulane University. And I went to see her, and she was doing this amazing stuff. You know, she had women hooked up to all these sensors. She was one of the first people to do this. We've read about it a lot now, but she was started it. So she hooks them up to these sensors. She shows them graphic erotic material, and she says, are you aroused? And they say, no, the vagina is swelling and lubricating. <laughs> Her heartbeat is faster. Their oxygenation rate is higher. And every sign of arousal they have. But they say, no, no, this doesn't turn me on at all. So for them, for them in their own, you know, themselves, in, of their yes, own in cognitive. Their in their own cognitive. And what they're able to do in denying that arousal is shut it down. Because female arousal shuts down a lot more easily than male arousal does. Anything can shut it down. You think you, you're afraid the baby will wake up. You think your eyes are too fat. Whatever it is, anything shuts you down. Mm-hmm. Where men have a kind of a strong, I love this about men, they have that strong, purposeful drive to see the arousal through to the conclusion. So she's doing these experiments with women and trying to get them to recognize their arousal, trying to get them to see the signs of it. Mm-hmm. I took that and I thought, okay, she, was, she got me started on the arousal image. Can't uh, for me. It can't be porn. It can't be your lover's penis. It can't be, can't be anything that's really too graphic. It's got to be a place you can go in your mind that is purely your arousal. Right. So I find for most women, it's a color. It's a Georgia O'Keeffe orchid. It's a sunset on the beach. It's it's something that says to you, this is perfect. This turns me on. This is my arousal. 
and you focus on that, and that arousal image is your image. I, I tell women, whatever it is, if you see it in a book, then you blow it up, frame it, whatever you can do to have it on your bedroom wall. It should be there reminding you this is your arousal image. So uh-huh. you start with that, and women start, you've got to just sit down, get everything else out of your mind, and focus on your arousal image. Tell yourself, I am aroused. I feel the arousal coursing through my body. I feel that I'm getting turned on. Then you add the fire breathing and the flexing, and you're, you're really, you are getting turned on because your blood is oxygenating. Your PC muscle flexing is, is tugging at the clitoris. You're getting aroused down there. It still wasn't perfect, though. It worked for me, but I wasn't sure it was going to work for everybody because a lot of women who have trouble with orgasm, they, they need just as much as they can get to push it through, right? Right. Uh, and, so. But here's also, but that when you talk of the PC muscle flexing and Annie Sprinkle not speaking of that, I do know some women who, they, until it was mentioned to them that you can, like, trigger it or bring, once you get to a certain level of arousal, if you start doing a PC flexing, it is often the springboard to create the orgasm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that was probably true for Annie. I didn't think to ask her at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she just didn't think to mention it because she was focusing on teaching people how to fire breathe. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, it was a good learning experience. And so I had these pieces together, and I thought, this just needs something really big to kick it over, but what is it? And I was staying out in Illinois at my sister's about, oh, gosh, five, six years ago. We had a, a family crisis, so I spent a few months with my sister out there. And I have an old friend, Rick Casimir, who is he's a black belt in seven martial arts. And he had done this wonderful demonstration of having an arrow push, of having people try to push an arrow into his throat. And he made his throat like stone so that the arrow couldn't get, couldn't get past it, which is even more impressive than having somebody put all the energy in their body and the, and on the side of their hand and breaking bricks and blocks. Incredibly mm-hmm. impressive the things he can do. So I said to him, can you teach me how to take all the energy in my body into my clitoris and the surrounding zone there? Can you teach me that? And he, he stopped a minute and he said, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not if we can do it for this? <laughs> yeah. so did, he, did, he, did he get, but did he smile and say, well, yeah, of course? Yeah, he did. <laughs> It, it, it took him off guard, but then he said, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so he taught me. Right. And anyone who has seen martial arts demonstrations understands that, yes, you can focus your energy. If you could not, martial arts would not exist because it is all based on focusing your energy into a part of your body to do something you want that body to do. So we know it's real. It sounds kind of woo-woo to a lot of people, but you say, look, did you ever take uh, a martial arts class? Did you ever watch a martial arts demonstration or a movie? It's real. It works. And you can do it, too. So Uh teach them how to focus all that energy into the genitals. And you are really on fire when you do that. You are so on fire that, you know, a few PC flexes is going to take you over. Because you were that much on fire. It's like the final thing, that final step that really just turns it on, just really rocks the boat. And so many pe- women have written to me, and I've, I've included a few reviews, I think, on the website now, which I hadn't done before, but 
so many women have written to me and said, I thought this was going to be, you know, just another baloney thing, and it really works. And that's the crucial. That's crucial. Now, we are going to our first break. My guest is Susan Crane Bacos. We're coming back with the Orgasm Loop, her three-step program to put and have women have fabulous orgasms during intercourse because women asked for it. Stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intercastle. And sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. You simply the best. Donna is a charismatic market driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Infocasso, check out her website, introinc.com. Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Infocasso, and sidekick Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on toginet.com. Girlfriend It is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. With your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriend It principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer. And my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out GirlfriendIt.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Susan Crane Bacos, who is the author of The Orgasm Loop and has created an online workshop for it as well. I happen to have a, she sent me a copy of her ebook. I have it here up on my screen. And during the break, the other thing we were talking about was how, for both of us, we like to look at the science behind how and why these things actually work. And we were speaking, Susan, on the work that was done at Rutgers with Dr. Beverly Whipple. Would you like to tell people about that? That is so fascinating. And Dr. Barry Cummins-Rock, that is mm-hmm. fascinating work. 
they have women volunteers who are paid uh, only a hundred dollars for the for the job, and they masturbate or they think off, but they have orgasms in an MRI machine, which I think is just amazing. And I have seen the brain light up. I've seen the brain scans, and it shows us that right. no matter you know you might call this you might be masturbating your clitoris, and you might say it was a clitoral orgasm. Or you might be using a dildo or a vibrator that's internal, and, and you might call it a vaginal orgasm. It doesn't matter what you call it. It lights up the brain the same way. And it's so fascinating. It's just Plus, we realize that it lights up the brain in different ways than we had thought, and that pleasure is not necessarily where we thought it was before. And we're learning so much in this. We're learning. I did a, a blog piece. I usually do science on Tuesdays. Although mm-hmm. the last two days I missed, but I did a piece on uh, bliss in the brain, and there's so much research going on about sexual orgasms in the brain and about happiness in general and how that shows up in the brain. It's fascinating stuff. It's and really a crossover. Really, yes, yeah, it's really fascinating. So I definitely think people should um, go to my blog and look up some of the science and read about this. And if they would like to sign up for the orgasm loop workshop at, at this point in time, it is costing people nothing. I will tutor them. I will teach them how to have these orgasms because I'm developing the product, the workshop product. So they're getting in for free, which is well, really, you know, and, yeah. and then they That's can nice. be someone who can, well, because here's what, let's go back to the reason women were asking for this. Well, I think you and I were talking about this earlier in the week. I think the male model of sexuality holds that even uh, there's been so much written about she comes first and he comes next and you don't have to come during intercourse and all that, but the the ideal model remains orgasm for both during intercourse. It's what you see in the movies. (laughs) Well, it's it's, in the book. I mean, it always comes. Right, and it's a programming. Yes, it's programming. Women have it. Men have it. And, and also, all the crap that we lay on relationships. Oh, it's my gosh. Soulmate connection and blah, 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 blah. And sex has to be incredibly intimate all the time and yada, yada, yada. It's <laughs> going in place. No, it is. Fun. It, I mean, we should just, we've got to give ourselves so much more permission. You know, I yeah. love that this, you know, gives women access to something that, takes care of what they feel they would like to address. But I do agree with you. I think there is a, we're working with a model that is based on male sexual function, not on female sexual function. And for the majority of women, our brains go in so many different places that trying to get our brain to focus in the way that you said, you know, using. That's normal. That's that's point number one, just trying to focus. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that's one of the toughest for women is like stopping yeah. thinking of all the other things that are going on. Women's arousal can be short-circuited by just about anything, whereas men's generally not. I mean, sometimes, yes, it loses erection for some reason or something will go wrong, and there's usually a reason for that, like he's on medication or whatever, you know. But mm-hmm. for women, it can be as simple as she's thinking she didn't do the dishes or she's okay. worried about a yeah. presentation tomorrow or wondering how she looks in this position. Men would never lose sexual focus over that, but women do. So focus is, is like, huge. It's a huge issue. 
And that's why I start with that, with the loop. And it's the first thing, you know, you, you spend, you spend some time just learning the, learning how to focus on your arousal image. Learning okay, how so is it, is it almost like, and, and do you walk people through kind of like a step-by-step on oh, how to yeah, do that? Definitely. Okay, the great. walk them through everything step-by-step. And I will walk them through online and give them individual guidance. I mean, they right. don't have access to me. So not like yeah, and working a program there. It's going to be individual. Uh, when I um, when I was reading your ebook and I saw Julia Hyman's um, comment, who is a psychology professor and director of the Kinsey Institute, and her comment, of, we found that some women really noticed when their genitals were aroused, and some and these women were orgasmic, while others barely paid attention to genital swelling or lubricating, and generally were not orgasmic. So, yes. the mind body connection on this is huge. It's huge. We have I mean, to which... train ourselves to feel arousal, and we, we do that. We focus on the arousal image, and we train ourselves to feel arousal, to tell ourselves it's there and to feel it, to experience it in our genitals, to experience it throughout our bodies. We can do this. One, one of the, um, you know, Liz Langley, right? She's a really good sex journalist, and she writes a lot for Alternet and various online publications. Well, she she tried the loop, and she said that she was surprised at that, how well it worked. And she said she considers it a whole body turn on. And I thought this is true. Why am I not? Why have I not ever said that? Because it well, you, is a whole body turn on. You are turning on your whole body. Because you you make all of you. Right, you're making the comment initially. You're saying about adding in the tantric element of you know the creative visualization that brings things in. And listen, if you have a thought in one part of your body, it is going to impact every other part of your body. Yes. It cannot help but. That's how we operate. We are really... You've got to get all the parts working together. <laughs> you know, exactly. But we are, in essence, you know, um, electric beings. We are wet cell yes. batteries. Everything we do is an electronic charge. So if you are thinking of your arousal, it is going to be there. Yes. It is going to be there because you are giving yourself permission. You're letting down your barriers. You're letting that arousal in. You are letting it take over. And it's now, there. You've just been stamping it out. Women get, I mean, they use, and they're trained to do this, still trained to do this, use sex, withholding and handing it out to control the man and the relationship. You hear young women talking about this. You hear married women talking about this. And it is ridiculous. It does not work. You cannot use sex ever as a bargaining chip because it damages your sex life so badly and it damages your response system so badly that you're like a sexual cripple because you've used it that way. you treated it like a commodity. Well, it's like anything else. If your intention of how you're using something, it, it's almost like using a corrupt file when you're putting it into your computer. It's not going to yes. work the it's right way. And I get really annoyed with women who say, well, I'm mad at him and we're not having sex. You know what my advice to women is? If you're mad at him, make sure you do it rear injury. Fantasize somebody else. Have the sex. Get the good sex. Because you're going to be less mad at him after it's over and you had orgasms than you were before. Then you got late, honey. (laughs) Right. If you have something that has and creates that connection for you. But what often happens that you and I both know is that when there isn't the ability to create the pleasure that... Because when I was doing my presentation to you know, the Cosmos staffers, and I asked, 
uh, Kate, you know, the same question that, you know, you were always being asked. I said, what's the number one question you get asked? And she, you know, her eyes rolled back in her head and she said, oh, my God, it's, you know, can I, how can I have, I mean, how can I have an orgasm with intercourse? And if we look at why this is the situation and, you know, what you are, you know, you put together the O loop to address, majority of women are having sex with a male, if we're talking heterosexual, who might and invariably be a year or two or a little bit older. And he has an attitude of, I'm, you know, or will make the statement to her, all my other girlfriends had orgasms, which we know is not. We know that's not true. (laughs) We know that's not true. Yeah. She's thinking, he's thinking there's something wrong with your body. Men blame outside of themselves. Women blame inside of themselves. It's a happy circle. Everyone's blaming the woman. And so she's thinking there's something wrong with her. Well, no, there isn't anything wrong. It's like you cannot bake a cake if you don't turn on the frickin' oven. Exactly. You can't. You you don't. You know, you can have, you know, I think it's peachy key, but, you know, if you don't get the energy up to a level that it needs to, and if it is the stimulation the way you need to, I mean, it's not going to happen. Now, it's in your book, we have, we have two minutes until our half break, but in your book you have five different parts. And there's the orgasm loop, there's the O loop for beginners, there's reaching orgasm, then there's the advanced O looping, and then there is the special needs. Right. Now, what I'd like you to do is walk us through what, because my understanding is that your online workshop is going to follow fairly closely to the format of what you put together for the ebook. Am I it correct? It is. It is. And I think that um, some women, like I've already heard from, from many women who have some of the special needs, they have medication problems or their partners. Oh, yo, you know, and they they have a history of not coming and a history of faking. And so those those are special needs and that's gonna fit in there. A lot of women just haven't had the orgasm and they're they're just really beginners at this. And so they can be beginners at surprising ages. I first orgasm. I coached her to her first orgasm, which was very exciting. So, you know, she didn't want to die and not have orgasm. No, and you know, a lifetime marriage that just killed her sexuality. Oh, but you know, here's the thing, you know, obviously the universe delivered you and voila, there it was. And a great boyfriend. She had a great 65-year-old boyfriend who went out and bought her the old book and said, he said to her, let's write to the author. I bet she'd help you. (laughs) Oh, no, isn't that? Oh, isn't that great? (laughs) That's so fabulous. No, we're just going to go to our... Yeah, we're just about to go to our mid-show break. My guest this evening is Susan Krenbekos, and she is the author of The O-Loop. And if you have any questions, you can call in at 877-864-4869. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. The trick to getting published with your host, Florence Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on TogiNet.com. 
Flo has seen it, done it, and now can share from her experiences as a newspaper staff reporter, feature writer, freelance editor, and college writing instructor. And now Flo has authored a system whereby her students enjoy a 90% success rate in attaining publication of their manuscripts for the first time. In just four years, she has over 800 of her own articles published in national magazines, newspapers, and anthologies. Author of several books, including the powerful memoir, The Sicilian Nobleman's Daughter, Florence has advised and edited professors, deans, PhDs, and hundreds of students' writings before submission. And now it's your turn. Join us Friday nights with your questions. Most of Flo's students say they've learned much and thoroughly enjoyed the journey. It's the trick to getting published with your host, Flo Blake. Friday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism. The historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Susan Crane Bacos. And before the break, we were discussing the five different segments that she has in her book, The O-Loop. And I, we were talking of some of the issues that the special needs area and Susan and I had spoken about this earlier this week, there are many women who may not know of the impact of the medications that they're taking on the impact of their orgasm or the fact that it will make them anorgasmic. And to me, that is just tragic. Oh, I think it is tragic. First of all, I've read somewhere, and I don't remember the number, so I can't quote it, but how many people are given antidepressants, and especially women, without a diagnosis. If you don't have a clinical diagnosis of depression, what business does your doctor have giving you an antidepressant in the first place? Well, now, you should have a clinical diagnosis before you get the medication. Right. And the well, other I, thing is, like you yeah. said, they, they don't even, doctors aren't even trained in sexuality, so they don't even know what they're doing in terms of the people's sex lives and really don't much care. Well, you know, and I had mentioned that, and a previous guest who had been on my show is Dr. Stuart Shipko, who is an MD psychiatrist here in Pasadena, California. And he 
had, I was listening to one of his presentations at um, a peer organization, and he, the comment was, you know, 70% of antidepressants are given off-label, meaning there is no study for what it is they're being prescribed for. Right. That's terrible. Oh, that's and, awful. And I, don't, and I think what people need to have an awareness of is how much it can erase or subdue their own, you know, um, arousal. I did notice, and you know, there were some women who had sent in the emails to you saying they didn't realize this is what was happening to them. Yes, a lot of women say that, and it's really shocking. It's very, very discouraging because they're not given adequate information. They're just, you know, oh, you're feeling a little down. You're feeling a little worried. You know, what do you think? You're depressed. Here's a prescription. I yeah. went to a luncheon one day in New York. This has been a couple of years. And uh, with young women editors, I don't know how I got invited, but every now and then they want uh, Carrie Bradshaw's Auntie Mame around, I guess. So <laughs> they invited me. Mm-hmm. And you can't believe they were like, they were like pulling out baggies with antidepressants and, and like sort of trading them around. I can't understand why they think this is okay. But my two big concerns about women's sexuality these days is, is the medication and the fact that the drunken hookup has become the way a lot of people have sex. They go out and they get drunk and they hook up in a bar and it's crazy. It's just an insane way to have sex because you and I both know you're not going to have good sex drunk. But it's not as much sensation. You know, you you don't. I mean, I like to drink my wine, but if I'm going to have sex, I'm stopping at one glass. I'm not even having two because it, it just messes things up. Well, here's what we also know is we... Our sexuality is our most powerful way of communicating. It creates yeah. life. It creates love. It's where we all come from. Yet we have so little permission to learn in a, you know, in a way that makes you feel good. Now, yeah. what I like about how you put this together, it was in response to women asking for this. Not that, you know, here's this pressure. It's, listen, if we're culturally dealing with something that has women say, you know what, I really am interested in wanting to have this for me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for who she feels as a sexual woman. And I feel, I felt like it is my job to give that to her. Mm-hmm. I got some flack from some feminists over it. It's like, oh, you're encouraging women to buy into the male patriarchal myth and blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not encouraging them. I'm dealing with reality. They're there. This is, this is a part of their indoctrination. It's a part of what they believe about sex. It's not my business to change that. It is my business to help them. Well, it's the orgasmic. Because I think once they become orgasmic, they begin to make changes themselves. They begin to, their sexuality opens up. They, they begin to have a bigger definition of it and greater expectations of what can be there. So if you can just give them the orgasmic ability they want, then I think they're going to make some changes themselves. But you can't lecture people into that. You no. Can't. No, no. It's not possible. I, um, it, I mean, what I also will tell women is the number one reason you are likely not having an orgasm during intercourse is that you are not getting enough stimulation, plainly and simply. I yes. mean, it, it, it's a situation of blood flow to the area, oxygen and blood powers orgasms, and it's right. also, you know, so if you're holding your breath, please don't do that. <laughs> Keep breathing. I tell women, you may actually be short-circuiting your orgasm if you hold your breath. Yes. <laughs> 
other thing is that <laughs> you need to make sure that when you are breathing that you can feel it all the way down your body because you're not, you know, when you're being sexual with someone, it's your body saying what your mind and words cannot. It so, is a whole body experience. And, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a listening. But if you are with a partner who thinks that, and here's the thing, we have men have so little permission to not know about sex, and they get given such flawed information that mm-hmm. it, it's just unkind. So do men. Men get flawed information, too. Well, you know what I have found with my blog, and this shocked me. When I started Sexy Crime a couple of years ago, I thought I was writing a female empowerment blog and that the women would be the audience. And then I kept hearing from men, and I would run surveys and, and hearing from more men answering the survey questions, which we are always told men don't do. Mm-hmm. I got more men involved than women. Men were sending me sex tips. Women were not. And really? what I realized about my audience of male readers is that they are very pro-female sexuality. They are very concerned about pleasuring their partners. They also want their own pleasure, of course, but they're very concerned about, about giving women what they want and need in bed. There's a lot of fabulous men out there, and we just I, can, I, I concur. I absolutely yeah, concur. And we don't realize it, and we give men kind of a bad name. I blame them for just everything. Please. I mean, if we think the men who go to work, who come home, who love their partner, who are good, solid guys, you're not going to hear anything about them because they're not right. very newsworthy. Who That's you right. are going to hear about are the people who behave badly. <laughs> yes. That's like Anthony Weir. (laughs) Well, you know, and I'll tell you, I have a little theory on on Mr. Weiner, on what and why he did what he did. This is a man who probably got told when he was younger, you are never going to be attractive to women. But the one part of his body that he was very confident about was the size of his penis. And then he went on an absolute, he was focused on get my body in shape. All of the images that he presented ended up being images that really came from gay um, presentation, that, you know, the big yes. guest with the shaved chest. <laughs> I went out with a I lot know, of Jewish men. I know, I know, it was very and, gay. <laughs> and, I, and I have to tell you, I never had a Jewish boyfriend who did not have a hairy chest, okay? Me too, and I love that about them. I exactly. I mean, I want someone who is as different from me as is possible. But exactly. to go to go back to this, we have these fabulous men out there who really are. I mean, the thing they're like, you know, and for the majority of men, it's when they reach a particular age and they go, you know what? I remember this one man saying, listen, I'm not going to do it five times in a night, but I'm going to do it once and I'm going to do it really well. <laughs> And he, said, and he said, that's my focus. You know, two of my uh, my top five, which I've ranked in my own mind only, two of my top five lovers were over 50. One, I was 30 years old, and he was 51. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, newly divorced, and he was a professor, and I um, was doing some writing for a friend of his, doing some ghost writing. And so I met him through that. He was a fabulous lover. I can still remember the feel of the tip of his tongue across my clitoris, like a thousand butterflies swarming me. It was just amazing what he could do. <laughs> he was a great lover. And then a couple of years ago, I had an affair, which I've written about, by the way, in my erotic memoir, 
to be published next year called Dickmatized, an erotic memoir of sex, race, money, and jazz. Mm-hmm. And he was he played tennis. This man's like 58 years old. Played tennis several times a week, and it's all about blood flow to the cock. Well, it's, but it's all, about- all about, and he had it. He would come three times in a night with me sometimes. He was amazing. I was truly digmatized by his dick for about a year. Digmatized? <laughs> digmatized. Then I realized the life support system really didn't appeal to me. <laughs> okay. Well, but here's what I also... Am I shallow or what? I spent a whole year with... <laughs> no, no, no. You, you know what? You're absolutely who you are, my dear. What I do find is that when men will ask me, and because I do a fair amount of traveling, and then when they find out what I write about and, you know, what my books are, they will specifically ask me, so how do I improve blood flow? How do I, you know, I've been a little worried, you know, that my erections aren't the way that they need to be. And I said, look, whatever it is that you are, whatever it is that improves the cardiovascular circulation, do it. Because it's it's blood flow. And if you aren't using it, you will lose it. I mean, oh, my have, God, yes. Oh, my God, yes. So that, get out there, and if you like to play tennis, play tennis. But do something <laughs> active. Get to a gym. I, I got to tell you, two of my top five lovers, tennis players. <laughs> but, you know, I'll tell you. But we have one minute until our, uh, our final break. I had a woman who told me that without a doubt, and she went to um, DU, yeah, Denver University. She said, hands down, no, no question about it, the best lovers that she ever had were the hockey players. Oh, then that's true. Yeah, and she said, she said, let me tell you, they had the best thighs and they had the cardiovascular and they had, I mean, they had all of that training and they were just great physical specimens. But mm-hmm. because of their legs, they had such strong hip flexors. Ooh. And that is, and I remember Leslie, you know, uh, waxing poetically about a couple of her lovers about that. <laughs> so, which, so we are about to go to our final break here. My guest is Susan Crane Bakos, who is the author of The Orgasm Loop. We will be right back after this break. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on TogiNet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, LaBellaVitaCosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita. 
with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on Toginet.com. Ready for the most current feel-good gossip? Then check out Daytime with Donna with your host, Donna Intracastle and sidekick Nina Fry. Every Friday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Donna is a charismatic market-driven entrepreneur who was part of the team that founded iVillage.com, which is the largest content-driven community for women today. Donna and Nina are here to empower you, motivate you, and encourage you in all aspects of your life. It's like Oprah on the radio. Plus, your chance to win great prizes, all the way up to a $500 Visa gift card. For more on Donna Infocasso, check out her website, introinc.com. Then join us for the show, Daytime with Donna, with your host, Donna Intracasso, and sidekick Nina Fry. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Susan Crane Beckos, and she is the author of 20 books. And so on the break, we were talking about that. I said, so Susan, tell me, what is your best-selling book and why, and how can people be in contact with you, access them, all that good stuff? Because this, the, the O-loop, an orgasm loop, came out of all of this writing that you have done yes. for the past 25 years. Yes. My best-selling book, well, actually, for a long time, it was Sexational Secrets, which was an international bestseller. And it was kind of a travelogue sex book. I went all over the world and met people like a Japanese geisha and a, you know, just all kinds of people all over the place and mm-hmm. got their stories and got their best techniques ever. And it was a lot of fun. But then, more recently, the Sex Bible has been an international bestseller. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, there's, there's three reasons. One, the information in the writing is good. Two, the design is fabulous. And three, the photographs were taken by Alan Penn, and he is a genius at erotic photography. He never, ever steps over the line into tacky, ever. Mm-hmm. And Quiver books are noted for that, for their high-quality photo shoots. Like, they go out and do photo shoots for books. They don't buy stock photos. Well, the photos that you, you know, the photos you have with or- the orgasm are lovely. Oh, they're gorgeous, too. And do you know the Orgasm Bible, one of my 20 books, the photos are all of Jamie Lynn, the porn star. Mm-hmm. And she looks like the girl next door in this. Only sexy, of course, and, you know, beautiful. Mm-hmm. But... We took down the hair, we took off the nails, we changed the makeup, and she just glowed with all-American California girl sexuality. Mm-hmm. That I think that she helped sell that book. I think the photographs really make a difference in Quiver books. I'd be the first to admit it. People are buying good information, and they're buying good writing, but they are buying beautiful photographs. Well, well, they want, and they want something that they can look at that will, you know, that, that they can identify with, wow, okay, this is, it's almost like uh, this will sort of like energetically be part of what I am like as well. 
Yes. Most people write to me and say they love the photos. The photos are very arousing. Mm-hmm. It's these long harangues from women who say, why do you have to have good-looking naked women in these books? Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's not... We like to look at them. Well, here's the other thing. If you do have, you know, a, a partner who's looking at it with you, you know, if you're, you know, woman with a woman, you're going to want to see a good-looking woman. If you're a woman with a man, you're going to want to see a good-looking person. I mean, that's just... I mean, let us be honest. That is just, that is the world. We like to look at beauty. I mean, living in New York, I'm always like, I might be sitting in a restaurant watching the people go by. I like to see pretty women. I look at them. I look at what they're wearing. I like to look at them. You know, Mm -hmm. women of all ages. That I've never even had a bisexual encounter. But I think women's bodies are beautiful, and I really enjoy looking at them. I love the photographs in, in my books that Quiver does because mm-hmm. these bodies are gorgeous. Now, tell they're, me. They're arousing to me. And, you know, the studies have shown that women are aroused by a wider range of photographs and activities than men are. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, heterosexual men are not aroused by gay sex. Women no, are. no. Right. Women and are. I, I love it. Um, is that, that's Meredith Chivers' work, is it not? Right. That's Meredith Chivers' work. And one of the chivers when she was doing the work and showing, and these women were not self-identifying or they were not identifying as being turned on, but their bodies were turned on. Yeah. So mentally yeah. they weren't, but their bodies were. Yeah, and bodies were. I love Lisa Diamond at University of Utah who speaks on, you know, uh, gender diversity and other things like that. She did a hilarious presentation <laughs> at Quadis talking about, sorry, guys, that we want to get more torn down by the bonobos than you. <laughs> yes, women are even turned on by bonobos. You're talking about bonobo monkeys, bonobos. I just, I just idea of when we go back to using, you know, as you put in, you know, when you were making the comments, when you first, you know, saying, you know, do the mental focus, the energy focus, and the, the physical moves, this just tells you how powerful it is to have. If you have that thought of the turn on and allow that thought of the turn on, it's, that's the first part of it. For a lot of women, when we look at, you know, the work coming out of, um, at uh, UBC, why am I drawing a blank, in, in Vancouver, who, um, Rosemary Basson. And yes, Rosemary's yes. work. Oh, she's done some wonderful work. Yeah, and she, you know, looks at it, for many women, it isn't until they're actually doing something that they do become turned on. So Yes, if they, the Masters and Johnson model doesn't really work. They no. say it's desire and then arousal. And often it is arousal and then desire, but we, we, women are so conditioned to believe if they're not experiencing desire in their heads, they're not thinking, I want him. They don't want him, even though their body is saying, I want this. I want him. No, here, here, listen. Your life is not a bodice ripping novel, okay? No, it's not. And here's the other thing. Just, just a little FYI. The, the, the Wall Street Journal read an article on a number of, and I had no idea how big that the romance novel industry is. I mean, it's huge. huge. And they were right. Yeah, and they were writing about these people coming to particular classes so that they could write authentically mm-hmm. of the period pieces. And they said, <laughs> bodice ripping is an absolute, it, it, it cannot happen. It simply cannot happen. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. It's, 
maybe in the early days of new relationship euphoria, it kind of happens because you're so turned on and you've got this drug cocktail going on in your head and, you know, you're just really on All the dopamine that. and all the total, of, you know, it's like uh, yeah. the oxytocin. It's like, oh, my God, I have to have that. I have to have that. Desire curve. Yes. <laughs> now, right. you've got that going on. You're at the top of that. Yeah, you can have these bodice-ripping moments. But that doesn't last very long. 18 months to three years, or in my case, usually, you know, 18 days to three months. So. <laughs> right. but, but for most people, the reason that it lasts longer when you have that is invariably if there's something in between that has you keep coming back so that you always have those weekends when you see one another. And for many people, what they what they think is that, oh, God, I've, I've fallen out of love. I, I'm no longer completely connected to someone. Well, you are absolutely still very much in love. But you have had the programming that tells you if you don't have that <gasps> moment, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, Mother Nature designed it so that... more in love once you get past that new relationship before, you think. It probably really is love then, where it's pretty much crazy and had lust until, you know, while that's going on. But people don't recognize that quieter attachment as love. They don't recognize that you're not going to be in hot monogamy forever, but there are ways of tweaking this. Hey, you know, when you, when, you know, when you were doing, when you were first writing and doing the orgasm loop, were you working with women and with couples who were in long-term relationships? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Of the 500 women who were part of this, I would say, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but over 300 were in long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it was mostly long-term relationships. And so then these are and women... so many of them had never had orgasms. They've been during... in relationships taking their butts off all the time. Right. But here's, well, here's the thing. They may not have had an orgasm in that relationship because of what was or was not being done. But they also were probably at a point where it's like, you know, I'm comfortable in the relationship enough to say, you know, I really want to try something. And I'd like to try this, and this is what I always tell people. Don't say you want to try something that you had ever tried with anybody else. Big no-no. Like, absolutely. No, that's like, no. shoot yourself Always in the foot. You read it. You, you, know, saw you it read online it? Or you read it in a book. And that you want to try it with yeah. them. Exactly. And it's like I tell people, women say, uh, I think I'm going to tell my husband I haven't had an orgasm during intercourse in 20 years. I've been faking. And I say, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. You say to him, honey, my body has changed. My responses have changed. Well, because they do. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got to try something new here. My body's changing. It's not like I faked for 20 years because that is so demoralizing. I've heard from men who've heard that from women, and they're shattered. It often ends up in divorce because they're ashamed. Hey, you know, I, you know, we've got three minutes until you know we're we're wrapping up our segment. I have had men tell me that. I, I would ask, I said, tell me when you knew that the relationship was over. And invariably, one of the standard responses is when a woman would have told them she is no longer interested in him sexually, does not find him sexually appealing, or that she's never been sexually satisfied by him. Yeah. At that point, I can literally start the clock ticking yep, yep. for the end of it. Yep. And it may last a little while if there are young children. But at that moment, he knew it was over. Yeah, it's over. It creates such, such pain, hurt, and distrust. Well, exactly. And so when you have these women, long-term relationships, of the 500, 
how many had and were able to have an orgasm during intercourse using this? 95% were able to have orgasms. Some of them already were orgasmic, just not during intercourse. Some of them were not orgasmic at all. The vast majority were orgasmic, but not during intercourse. And some of them really signed up for it, not because they couldn't have an orgasm during intercourse, because they really could if they touched themselves and all that, but because they wanted to learn a new way and to have a bigger and stronger orgasm. Okay. Cause then, so and then... I found that it happened with a lot of the women who just, they just wanted to have the intercourse orgasm. Mm-hmm. Then it worked so well for them that they went on and they said, okay, when I have multiple orgasms, I, I want to have prolonged orgasms. I want to feel a full body orgasm. They really wanted to push it further because they knew that they could now. They knew that they had. Well, you know, they have an orgasmic buffet to choose from. Yes, yes. And I love hearing that. I love hearing that from women. I would love to have every woman in the world orgasmic. We change life as we know it. <laughs> oh, honey, absolutely. Now we have. Wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> it, it absolutely. My guest this evening is Susan Crane Bacos. We have probably another twenty-five seconds until we are complete. Susan, how can people get a hold of you, and how can they access your book and you and all your good stuff? Well, they can go to your website, and you kindly give them a link to mine. Right. And when they get there, they can hit the email button and say, "I want to be in this workshop." That's all it takes to sign up. Just there's a little tiny button on the left-hand side that says email me, and you hit it there. And that's all they need to do, or they can make it as a comment on a post. They can say I want to join. Either way. Okay. That's all it takes. And the books are for sale on the blog. There's also on the left side. You can scroll through them and buy anything you want there. Great. Susan, thank you so much for being with me tonight. Thank you. I had such a good time. This was like chatting with an old friend. (laughs) Sexual health. Join Lou Paget.